everyone and welcome back to the smoky steak podcast uh this of course is the only english language podcast all about brazilian football uh if you're a regular listener do not worry uh uh i have not been replaced by a chronic uh smoker with some sort of smoking lung disease Uh, i just have a small cold i am still your host peter um with about 70 percent of my voice um so hopefully it comes through okay and as always we are joined by enric uh, Enric, what's going on, man? Uh, I know I've been uh, we've been texting. We had a great episode uh, last week with Louisa, uh, which uh, make sure you go check out. She's the VP of Brasiliense, uh, fourth division side with a lot of history, despite their short, short uh, lifespan. But uh, Enric, how are you doing, man? Uh, good to see you, albeit virtually. Well, I'm doing better than you at the moment, so I hope you get better, Peter, and hopefully you get recovered from that illness that you currently have. And regarding the the episode, it's going to be an exciting one. We have Brasileira match week 21 and as well the quarterfinals for the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana. So a lot of things that we can talk about in this in this episode. Yeah, tons of of controversy, tons of goals, and um, some results that I think Enric you're going to have a big smile on your face because you predicted a lot of this stuff, uh, especially in Libertadores and Sudamericana. Um, so with that being said, let's do our usual. Let's start with the Brasileiro um, with one of the biggest fixtures of the match week, Flamengo hosting Internacional. Uh, Flamengo, of course, out of continental competition, but Inter very much in it. And they came with a rotated side. You'd think Flamengo at home, rotated opposition, uh, they're going to get slapped, but nope. Uh, despite Flamengo, I think probably being much the better team, Inter escape on a nil-nil draw. Yeah, and I also thought that Flamengo would seek revenge for that first round of matches, which they choked a 1-0 advantage against Internacional and lost 2-1 in the 95th minute. And the fact that they were playing at home, this would be a much bigger advantage for the home side, but it wasn't the case I felt like Internacional was prepared of what was coming and a 0-0 was the perfect result for them. Of course, a win was something that they probably never thought about, but a draw was pretty much um, allowed to happen. Uh, in the first half, there was a long through ball to Luis Arahujo and amazingly saved by Kaler. And Flamengo dominated um, in terms of chances, unable to find the back of the net. Kaler with another brilliant save in the second half. And this time it came from Vitor Hugo. And then you wait for the added time chance from Wesley. He hit the crossbar. And yeah, that could have been a 1-0 victory for Flamengo or even two or three goals. Uh, and it wasn't the case. And they keep missing chances and getting points against teams that they should. Uh, of course, Internacional is a big team. But as you said, Peter, when you play against a rotated side, the fans are not going to be happy with a, a with the draw here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, looking at some of these names, I guess it's more uh, half rotated, but you'd expect, right, Flamengo full strength uh, under one of 
arguably the better coaches in, in South America. Um, and they just can't, can't get it done. Um, they were much the better side, you know, statistically and on the eye test, but just not a lot of, um, of offensive chances that really looked dangerous. You talked about the two chances there at the end, those probably both should have been goals, but the post, but I mean, other than that, only four shots on target, only one for Inter. We've been accustomed to seeing that the XG for both teams are below one. I mean, this just wasn't maybe the best game in these two teams that are, uh, that are at, at just maybe not their finest days. Uh, some bad news for Flamengo as well. Uh, Georgian de Hascaeta and Luis Arujao. Um, Aru- excuse me. I always mess that name up. <laughs> uh, Arujo, uh, both going off injured. Um, and the Flamengo would actually be booed off the field at the end of the game. Um, they'll be much more disappointed with this result. Inter, I think, will be happy with the point, but that's still no wins for them in the last eight. And we're going to talk about their performance later in Libertadores. But, man, they're just another side in, in the Brasileirao. Yeah, and regarding the atmosphere after the match, I heard a lot of boos in terms of the player Gabigol as well. And I think he got substituted and the fans were just wrestling against him. And I saw rumors of him maybe potentially coming back to Santos. I hope those rumors are true. And But I'm not really sure if that's going to happen looking at how things went after 2017, 2018. And him winning uh, two Copa Libertadores with Flamengo, pretty much, in my opinion, like a Flamengo legend. And I don't think there's any way out of Gabi Gold from the club unless he reaches like an age of 30, 32, 33. And then, yeah, he can probably go all over Brazil and play for different clubs. But at the moment, I can't see him as a Santos player, even though I would love it. Yeah, I would love it too, but I think that's very wishful thinking. I don't think he's going anywhere. He is, of course, kind of a, a player. He's fiery. You know, he can provoke the crowd, both his home crowd and and away fans. We've seen that. We've been on both ends of that as Santos supporters. So um, no surprise there. And, and I'm sure they'll get back to some winning ways. But, man, they are just uh, – they would have really liked to have this one. Um, also, just before we move on, Internacional – the team in front of them, I'm not really convinced by. People were impressed by Libertadores' performances. But I'll tell you what, they've had some really great keepers. Kaler in this match was outstanding uh, with those saves uh, on Victor Hugo and Wesley. Uh, but they've got Sergio Roche, who's suspended in Brazil. In Brazil. Um, and they had Jean as well, uh, who is an underrated keeper. He moved on to Real uh, Valladolid um, uh, in Spain. Uh, on loan, I believe, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they've been really blessed with a lot of great keepers and they're, they're stealing some points uh, when inter need it most. So uh, good money there invested uh, in the squad. So no, nil draw to start it. Another draw Corinthians hosting Goyas again, Corinthians, I think really kicking themselves. I think they wanted much more out of this uh, Corinthians, another side that I thought would be, do much better and haven't been convincing. Um, they'll be really disappointed with that result. Uh, Red Bull Bragancino back to winning ways. Um, two nil over Cuiabá. Uh, pretty standard win there for uh, Cachinha's men there. Cuiabá, again, two losses in a row, I think. Um, they are coming back down to earth after their red hot display. 
uh, earlier this season. Um, so that is um, is comforting to see if you've got teams, uh, you know, that you support in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, great result uh, for Rebel Bragantino to beat Cuiabá 2-0, getting the job done at home. But then going back to Corinthians, ever since they sold Roger Getz, uh, yes. I think the match passed that. They won 3-1 against Vasco. And ever since, I don't remember when was the last time a striker or an attacker scored a goal for them. It's always been either midfielders like Renato Augusto in Copa Brazil against Sao Paulo or the defenders like how Gil did against Estudiantes and now Maicon against Goiás. So it's a weird story of what was going, what is going on currently with Corinthians and hopefully they get this fixed. Uh, I saw rumors of Yuri Alberto probably going to West Ham and I don't know if those are true and I don't think he's the player that's ready to go to Europe, although he played for Zenit in the, in the past. So he's very young, but he's got time and he needs time to improve with his skills and goal scoring opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's all sorts of rumors, including uh, Chelsea who have just taken over uh, as the cradle robbers of, uh, of Europe. They've replaced Florentino Perez who was sniffing around every Brazilian nursery only a few years ago to find new players. Now Chelsea are coming in, snatching up Andre Santos, Andre, uh, Angelo, um, <laughs> David Washington, and now they're even linked with Corinthians, uh, Gabriel Moscardo, who is getting a lot of press recently, uh, young, young kid, midfielder, defensive midfielder, who's been doing well. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really interesting time for them. And our, our friend Fabian Corinthians in English on Twitter, uh, was, uh, is, is not impressed with their, uh, their, their current form. And it's, it's just going to be an interesting time. It's definitely time for a rebuild and, um, it could be exciting. There could be a lot of pain for Corinthian supporters. Um, all right, moving on to Botafogo. Uh, they hosted Bahia. And as you might expect, the league leaders uh, thumped them 3-0. Um, and this one was really never in doubt from the fourth minute. Diego Costa uh, starting and scores his first goal, his first two goals, actually, um for Botafogo it is kind of weird seeing him he obviously played for um Atletico Mineiro before also playing in the striped uh white and black kits very similar um so it's just it's weird to see him back here in the same kit but for a different team um weird to see but very effective uh he two good goals um and then Luis Enrique uh finishes it off after an incredible pass from Hugo I don't know if you saw that um, and Bahia, um, you know, we had our friend Mauricio tell us that, you know, they're a pretty decent team. They looked okay. Um, of course, against the league leaders, they weren't going to do much, but, uh, Lucas Perry making a few great saves for Botafogo and, uh, did not go unnoticed. Um, Bento, of course, got the call for the Celisau. He's injured now. Uh, and Fernando Denise replaces him with, um, Lucas Perry uh, very well deserved. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to miss any breast of the row action, um, with the call up duty. Um, but either way, it's just awesome to see that's, you know, all the Botafogo fans were so happy. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just great to see. And I think it's really deserved. And I think he's going to be a great star for, for Botafogo, uh, European teams and, and, and probably the South Sound in the future. 
Yeah, I like Lucas Perry a lot. I think he's a great keeper, but uh, it's really unfortunate because I really wanted to see Bento perform for the national team. In my opinion, he is the best currently in the Brasil Uh Lucas Perry probably takes the second spot. And yeah, with Lucas Perry having a move, I think, signed and sealed for January to Crystal Palace, I wanted to see Bento get some chances and hopefully proving to the European football that he can be a top goalkeeper as well. And uh, in the game against Bahia, uh, this is my theory. If you're unable to win at home, you're not going to have any possibilities against the first rated or ranked team in the Brasilera whenever you're playing away. And a couple months ago, Bahia lost uh, 1-0 against Botafogo. And then, yeah, when they play in the Nilton Santos Stadium, then you're for sure going to lose 3-0 despite Chiquinho not being there. Of course, they have Diego Costa, who um, I thought maybe he would get like a goal or two every 10 games, but he got two goals in one game. So pretty good for him. And hopefully he continues his run in this way until Chiquinho returns. Definitely. Um, all right, let's move on. We mentioned them already. Atarco Monero, uh Diego Costa's former team uh, hosted Santos and they didn't host them at America stadium or even the Mineral. Uh, they were debuting their new stadium. We've seen it. We've talked about it. Enric. we kept saying, why are they playing in America stadium? Well, they are all moved in for the first match in the MRV arena in Belo Horizonte. Um, and they didn't waste any time. Uh, 15 minutes in, Paulinho already had a uh, a great goal assisted by Hulk. He would uh, um, catch a fantastic back heel tee up from Hulk, and Paulinho fired it in. One of the best goals of the round. I think Brasileirao play voted it as the number one goal. Um, and this partnership is firing, and they are about the only thing exciting about this Gallo team right now, other than the new yeah. arena, I guess, too. <laughs> Exactly. I really liked, liked their stadium. I think it was cool. The pitch maybe wasn't in the best conditions possible, but very close to Brasileirao's best pitch, Villa Belmiro Field, which is pretty good in my opinion, not because we're supporters, but uh, everybody says that. And you compare it to the Maracana and you clearly see the differences. But yeah, in here, I sort of expected this result coming from a 2-1 victory against Gremio. I thought that playing away from home, our, our team is going to slightly play less uh, despite them being highly motivated they showed a lot of chances and they could have even taken them and scored um, especially Marcos Leonardo with two or three chances missed in a row around the 30th minute mark and I don't know how even one of those didn't go in maybe that could have been a draw for the first half it wasn't and that's why uh, Paulinho with Atletico Mineiro scores the second in the second half and uh, a loss that I mean, I would have liked to get a draw out of this game, but even the loss, I'm okay with. And I hope that as long as the team is performing well, even against big clubs at home, then our job is pretty much done and we survive out of relegation at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit more nervous, I guess, than you. But the good news is here, as we already discussed, Goyas uh, drew. Uh, and they're, uh, I think, four points ahead. Bahia lost their level on points, I believe, with us. Um, so this loss, I guess, didn't really hurt that much. I would have really liked to get at least a point out of this, escape the relegation zone, if only by a point. 
Um, of course, it's tough. Everyone's going to be amped up for the new stadium. But Atletico Monero are not a team that are really great this year. Um, and I think maybe it wasn't there for the taking in the match, but I think uh, this was a game that maybe, you know, if we played them 10 more times, we'd maybe get a point uh, five out of those times. So there is a there is a scenario where we do get a point and the, which would have been really appreciated. Uh, Gallo, like I said, not great. Three losses in their last five, uh, but um, they're back up to ninth, which is good. They're, they didn't want to slip into that second half of the table, which they were in previously. Um, and like you said, yeah, that Jean-Lucas miss, especially uh they just he he missed the ball that was a goal he just he just missed the ball can't criticize him too much uh because he's been one of our best players and since he's come in he's been probably our best player other than marcus leonardo who had the other miss but uh but yeah um we really need the points and they should come given um well if you want to be positive in the next few matches let me just read them to you uh america Cruzeiro, Bahia, and Vasco. Those are our next four matches. We need a lot of points in those, and I think we can do it. Uh, all those teams haven't been in great form or haven't been great this year. Um, so plenty of points to be had, and I, I really hope that we we, we do get them. Um, speaking of America, uh, they are basement dwellers. They're bottom of the league, uh, but they get the win against none other then Hamas Rodriguez, Sao Paulo. Imagine going from winning the Champions League with Real Madrid just a few years ago to losing to America Monero, the Rabbits, who are just uh, just won their third their third victory. This would be their third victory. Uh, this is a result, even though America Monero were at home, that I didn't see coming at all. Well, I. I would have wished that this was the last time we talk about Hamas in this episode, but unfortunately it isn't. And yeah, it's a sad loss um, for Sao Paulo. Of course, playing away from home against America is always difficult. And you know, they have that striker, Mastriani, who scored first in the 60th minute. I thought that the equalizer from Alexander Pato would settle things 1-1, one, one, one point for each. Both teams would, would have been happy, but no. It's America who was always wanting for more. There were three red cards in this match, two in favor of the home side and one for the away team, just like the scoreline. But at the very end, America gets a win. And I like this because our next match is going to be against America in this stadium. So uh, usually you see teams not performing the same two, two, two games in a row. So if America would have tied this game or lost, then I think that they would have gone against Santos, wanting to get a revenge, especially after losing to us 3-2 a couple of months ago. So, yeah, I'm glad that Sao Paulo lost his game and maybe we can get a chance and win against them in the next round. Yeah, for sure. And that that Alexandre Pato goal uh, uh, kind of reminded me, I don't know if you remember, if he, he was on loan to Chelsea, I believe, and the only goal he scored was a penalty. Um uh, some something similar to this in the in the mid '80s, slotted the penalty home. He actually had the penalty saved here, but he cashed in the rebound. Uh, but yeah, only to have Rodrigo Vargas score ten minutes um, in the tenth minute of added time, um, and they did not like that. Lots of pushing and shoving after the after the whistle. So um, really poor, poor, poor from uh, from Sao Paulo from uh, 
from a result perspective, of course, they would play midweek as we'll get to later. Uh, but uh, so they had a pretty very rotated team, actually, I should say. But uh, but nonetheless, poor result. Um, all right. Palmeiras and Vasco. No surprise here. Palmeiras win. Um, I always when I see this fixture, I kick myself for the dumb uh, title that I made one of our first episodes reviewing the first round of this match where Vasco hosted Palmeiras. They got the draw and I said, Vasco are for real. I think they had won their first match and tied the the champions. And since then, they had been awful. <laughs> but uh, but the loss here, not without some controversy. Go ahead. Well, do you think this was a bad result for Vasco? I mean, they're playing away from home against a Palmeiras side who, in my opinion, should have gotten a 1-0 or two nil victory in the first half, and they didn't. And it took 65 minutes for them to score that first and only goal, and things could have been a lot more different in another day. Maybe Vasco would have gotten an equalizer, or maybe they would have scored first in the first 10 minutes like they did against Atletico Mineiro last week, and... Yeah, I think Vasco are improving and their chances of survival are increasing over time, which is not something that we want to hear. Not because we hate Vasco, but if teams like Vasco are doing good, then who's going to do worse than Santos at the moment? Coritiba, America? We need two more. We need at least Vasco and Bahia to get below us in the table. And yeah, at the moment, they seem like they're really getting revived after the new signings. And uh, Dimitri Payet also still hasn't made the, his debut uh, debut with his club. So when he plays there, imagine how how better they would also be playing alongside him in the striker role. Yeah, and, and let me clarify. I Well, you asked if it's a bad result. Yeah, it's a bad result because they lost. Was it a good performance? Yes. Or was it a better performance? Yeah. Palmeiras clearly the better side in my opinion, but they had chances, including, I don't know if you saw this one, Paulinho continues his hot run of form scoring a golazo from outside the area. But in the lead up, I believe it was offside. Vasco were furious. And in fact, they've already, they've sent, um, I think the president and another key figure from the club uh, met with uh, CBF officials to protest this, uh, this waving off of the goal um it's uh you know take a look online make your own opinion but um but yeah they're they're just absolutely livid about this they feel that they should have earned at least a point um uh and rafael vega oh my god his free kick was incredible as well so two great goals one counted one didn't but that's just sometimes the way it is uh so i yeah i would say that poor result from vasco because you know they didn't get anything but Decent performance, and um, hopefully they can build on at least the performance and keep going. Um, all right. Atletico Paranaense versus Fluminense. This one is what you'd call a barn burner. TM. Um, tons of intrigue about this. Atletico uh, hosting flu. Fluminense rotated, uh, of course, because they had the big clash midweek in Paraguay. Um, Atletico Paranaense, like we mentioned earlier, Bento's injured. They didn't have him. Uh, and this game had all sorts of twists and turns. Um, Atletico Paranaense opened the scoring very early. Uh, Kaká, uh, not to be confused with the central midfielder, attacking midfielder uh, that was a Brazilian Salasau player. Uh, but they score early. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, or not even, uh, they have find themselves a red card and a man down 
And now Fluminense get a chance to chase the game. Yeah, this was a cool game though, for the way it started. Before the first goal from Atletico Paranaense, you saw a, a mistake by their own keeper. And as you said, Bento wasn't there. So the new keeper uh, had some difficulties and maybe Fluminense could have gotten that first goal. But it's Atletico, as you said, Kaká, not with the K, but with C. He gets his first goal and 12 minutes later, the red card, I think, was a little harsh. And maybe the referee was based on that foul to, against Neymar in the 2014 World Cup when Zuniga jumped with his knee to the back. And I think it was sort of the same scenario here. And he did not hesitate. He looked at VAR and gave him a, a, a red card instead of a yellow, which he had done previously. And yeah, I think that red card completely changed the game. It took 76 minutes, though, for Fluminense to get an equalizer, which I thought was a lot of time, around 54 minutes of having a one-man advantage in the field. And a couple of minutes um, later after that, they get a second. I thought it was pretty much game over for Atletico Paranaense, but it wasn't. Vitor Roque, the superstar for the Atletico Paranaense team, gets a late equalizer and gives his team a point at home which I think at the end of the day is not a bad result uh, although as you said Fluminense again like international playing with a rotated side I think this was pretty good for them and Fluminense are going to be happy too despite maybe having the chance to win it all but yeah I think this was a cool game and uh, definitely something that we lacked seeing in the in the Maracana in this round uh, this was probably like the best match of the week certainly certainly and I just want to go to Fluminense's second goal. Uh, they had been knocking at the door, like you said, all game. It took 76 minutes or so for Google to score. Um, but uh, Martinelli uh, may be overlooked and overshadowed by his partner in midfield, or his normal partner, Andre. Uh, but great pass uh, to uh, to give João Neto um, the, the goal and Fluminense the lead in more or less the 90th minute. And then... Uh, in added time, uh, Vitor Roque uh, gets the uh, gets the goal, a header. We've seen it so many times. He loves the score, and Thomas Cuello uh, assisting. But just incredible, incredible player, incredible game, and uh, we're very fortunate to uh, to have watched that um, and have that in in the league that we cover on a week to week basis. So, uh, Atletico and Flu split the points. Uh, both sides competing for that top four uh they've sort of dropped out at least at least athletico are much further uh but they'll both be in the hunt and that's where the where they uh they'll want to finish um all right last two matches here fortaleza beating Coritiba at home no surprises here Coritiba not strong and fortaleza of course playing at the castle we've said it countless times it's a fortress literally um Mourinho and lucero getting the goals um and then last fixture here, uh, again, I don't have too much on this one. Gremio 3, Cruzeiro 0. Both sides traditionally in the Serie A, both sides coming up this year from Serie B. And uh, we know which one is uh, the better team. Gremio fighting for that top four, of course. They're in third. Um, and Cruzeiro much more of a mid to lower table team right now. Um, two comments on this one. Um, one, loved Gremio's kit. Uh, I guess I'm just so either used to seeing them in either white or the striped, uh, their immortal tree color, color. Um, 
and uh, like to see them kind of as a combination. I didn't love the shirt or the shorts just on their own, but as a combination, the light and the dark blue, I think really something different. And I really liked, um, and then did you see this one? <laughs> Suarez, Luis Suarez got fouled and his cleat came off or his boot came off. And the player, one of the Cruzeiro players just kind of like threw it onto the sidelines. I uh, got a yellow for that trouble, but, uh, but just so very funny. And it started a, a whole row and it's just so funny to see Luis Suarez. He may be 36 years old, but he's, he's not changing and he'll make, um, he'll make a big deal out of everything, but that actually kind of was a big deal. I thought that was pretty unsportsmanlike, but uh, just funny to see. Yeah, I saw that. It was cool and it was funny as well. Sort of like a Daverson type play, but yeah, I think Grêmio came into this match highly motivated and you saw him put a lot of pressure to a Cruzeiro side and they scored early in the first half. They got a second and a third and even a fourth goal by Bitello, but it got disallowed for offsides. So I think they played here insanely good and yeah this was uh, a game that they had originally lost in the first first round of Brasileira matches they played each other in the Copa do Brasil so there is some history between those two clubs both coming from Serie B as you said so yeah Grêmio is doing really well and they have one uh, match less than other teams uh, which could set the, send them 12 points behind leaders Botafogo Palmeiras in second spot with 40 points and then you have uh, Flamengo and Fluminense sitting at fourth and fifth spot. And table looking pretty much average. Cuiabá uh, still in 10th place, although with three losses in a row now, they're sort of dropping down. And even Santos, they're not too far from them, only seven points. So maybe three wins and a draw could get us to that to that uh, amount of points that they have. And hopefully we get out of that relegation zone in the future. Yeah, for sure. And when we just talked about Cruzeiro, you looking at their form, uh, no wins in their last seven, um, three points in their last five. Um, they've been doing okay, but they're just kind of slowly falling down that table. And I think uh, some of their losses uh, for injured players have really been impacting them. And I'm not sure that they have the one star that's really going to be driving them. Like you'd say Gremio, although you'd argue that Gremio have many more than one star. Uh, but I'm just thinking kind of the talisman like Luis Suarez or or even Bitello. So, yeah, tons of action uh, left to come in the rest of the row. Uh, the spots two through four up for grabs, probably even more Libertadores spots uh, given uh, who's uh, in the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores, uh, which is the perfect segue to that competition itself. Copa Libertadores, second legs of the quarterfinals. Um, and Enric, I saw your tweet, man. <laughs> so your tweets multiple, you must've been smiling all weekend because well, maybe not the most outlandish predictions. I mean, you were very dead on, uh, with what happened here and we'll start with Internacional and Bolivar. I think I said that they had less of a chance. I'm not convinced by Internacional. And by the way, I'm still not, um, looking over this game, Bolivar, I didn't think were, very good, uh, but it doesn't matter because it's the Ener Valencia show, uh, and he leads them to a 2-0 win over Bolivar. Yeah, what an awesome result this for Inter. Uh, they had originally won 1-0 in Bolivia last week, and now they get the job done once again at home 
Uh, Enter Valencia scores early in the first half. And in the second, he also gets another goal and sends International uh, through, despite Bolivar maybe scoring a goal around the 90th minute with their main striker, who we talked about with our friend uh, Sepe from Bolivar News. Uh, the goal got disallowed. And then, yeah, that was the end of the story. 3-0 for Internacional. And I'm really glad about this because it's a team that struggled in the beginning of the season and they had managerial changes. And now they seem like they're doing very well in Copa Libertadores. So they're going to be matching up against uh, another Brazilian team. And I'm really interested to see how this goes. Yeah, um, and Ender Valencia, he came in. I don't think he had the best start. He was lively, but he didn't, you know, score a bunch of goals. But in Copa Libertadores, I mean, I'm seeing people think he's the second coming. Like, he put the ball, I think, in the back of the net four times. Twice was disallowed. Um, twice, obviously, counted. Uh, his link up with Alan Patricki has been sensational, um, and he's kind of the partner that. Uh, we thought Luis Adriano was going to be, um, and you know, still might be, of course. And Vonderson uh, chipping in the other assist, um, I believe. But uh, but yeah, they they were great, and they would kind of suck on uh, suck Bolivar onto them, and, and then hit him on the counter. And when you've got a player like Ener Valencia, who's maybe not the youngest, he's not a spring chicken, but he certainly can can move, um, and uh, he's he looks great. And it was just, um, you know, a great performance after getting that 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 tough away win. And and Inter, while I don't rate them to go on any further than where they are now, I think this is a nice little run to be excited about. And and we'll see what sort of personnel changes they can make um, in the offseason. But a decent building block, especially in a cup competition. Uh, again, they're languishing down in 14th in the breast of their house. So, um uh, they're not too far above the relegation zone. Uh, they don't want to get dragged into a rele- relegation fight, uh, but I think they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, just comprehensive performance. And Enric, I want to just end off this segment of of, of talking about this game with, uh, you know, to your eyes, I'm looking at the teams, granted when they don't ro- rotate, but what's going on? What's different about Internacional in Libertadores versus Brasileirao? I can't really figure it out other than, I guess, the competition. Well, this is something that we normally see from teams. Usually they concede in at least one of the competitions or every competition they're in. And obviously they got out of the Cobra Brazil earlier in the rounds. And in a league, they're not doing too well, currently sitting at 14th, as you mentioned. So now they're starting to realize that we might have a chance into making it to the Libertadores final and maybe even win it all. Uh, probably their only hardships is versing Fluminense in the semis. But if they manage to somehow get out of that, then the the final is pretty much capable for any team. Even if America playing in the final, like a 20th uh, ranked side in Brazil against Palmeiras, I think both teams are uh, 50-50. They both can win the tournament. And I think that's what Internacional are aiming for. And this is their only way of escaping the stress and everything they have been through this season. Yeah, so if they win this, it's going to be a huge accomplishment for them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I again, I'm just I'm not impressed. And I think this is for, as far as they go. They squeaked by River, um, and maybe Bolivar wasn't the toughest opponent. 
and they kind of ran out of steam after their big win against Atletico. So I'm not convinced. I'm not big on Inter, but uh, we'll see what they can do. Like you said, anything can happen in a final. Um, all right, let's move on to Palmeiras hosting the Colombian side, Deportivo Pereira. Uh, they thumped them 4-0 in Colombia. This one had not as much excitement. <laughs> Palmeiras nil, uh, Deportivo Pereira nil. Uh, doing enough. I don't really have a lot on this game. Uh, Enric, no surprise here. Palmeiras go through. Uh, do you have anything, uh, any thoughts here on, on the match that you want to uh, give us? Well, another match in which Palmeiras fails to do the job, get the job done, especially at home. And uh, I'm not really a fan of this. Of course, Palmeiras is not a team that I support, but uh, I would have liked him to at least get a 1-0 victory. Uh, maybe they played a rotated side. I'm not sure. But still, playing against Deportivo Pereira, which you were able to win 4-0 away from home, at least get a goal, prove to your fans that it was worth coming into the stadium that night. And yeah, it was very disappointing. And people maybe even thought that they would win in the first half. They didn't. And for the game to end 0-0 is very weird. And the same thing we can say for the opponents that they'll be versing in the semifinals, Boca Juniors. Um, they also get a draw here. And going back to the predictions that I made, I made one mistake for each competition in the Sudamericana. It was one. And then in Libertadores, uh, I predicted Boca Juniors to lose maybe in the uh, regular time 90 minutes or even in the penalties i thought rusting would be able to advance and they didn't so huge surprises here to see boca go through not too surprising for me um i'm, I'm not sure that if i made a prediction or what i mean rusting for me uh lost guerrero lost rojas i know they're still a great team they've got some other good players but i expected boca to go through and the, the manner in which they did Nil-nil on both legs. Very classic Boca. Just going back really quickly, Palmeiras, uh, I think, experimented with kind of the shape and, and their game plan, but they had a lot of their great players on there, uh, on uh, on the field. So you're right. Well, I think they were much the better side. I think the keeper, uh, the Colombian keeper, stood it on his head a little bit. Um, but it uh, would have been nice, but I think, they knew they were going through regardless. They didn't have a lot of motivation. And and yeah, I guess it would have been nice for the fans, but I'm not too pressed about uh, about that result for them. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, Boca Juniors go through on uh, on pens. Very Boca classic. And and maybe they're not uh, as high flying as in years past, uh, but they can definitely wear you down, grind you down. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen that in, in their past two fixtures. So, uh, they're still a dangerous team in my mind. Um, all right, last uh, quarterfinal in Libertadores, uh, Olympia having some makeup work to do against Fluminense. We saw them do it against Flamengo. Uh, this time, however, they fall short. Uh, Olympia do score at home, but Fluminense score three. Uh, three won this final in favor of Flu, of course. Uh, Enric, uh, I think you pretty confidently said this tie was over. Uh, you, of course, were right. Um, any thoughts on this one as you watch the game or even just the highlights? Yeah, great performance by the Cariocas. Of course, getting the job done at home. They did the same thing away and they proved that they're not going to do the same mistakes that Flamengo did whenever they lost to Olympia. Leaving everything for the last match and playing in Paraguay is probably difficult. And knowing that the rivals would score, Fluminense took this into consideration, uh, scored first. And despite 
uh, Olympia equalizing. It was Herman Kano with two goals and glad to see him back in the score sheet to the tournament that probably matters most to the Fluminense side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're not going to win the Brasileirao. Uh, they're hopefully going to finish high, but you're right. This is their best shot at a trophy, their only shot at a trophy um, after after winning, obviously, the, the, the Carioca. Uh, just wanted to say also, though, but you know, before the John Kennedy goal, great goal, by the way, great confident finish one-on-one played through by Kino, I believe. Um, but I want to shout out Fabio. Fabio, 42 years old. He's done it all, seen it all. Made a great stop at the beginning. And you think how different this game could be. Even though Olympia scored um, their their goal and the maybe it wasn't likely, even after they scoring that goal, that, uh, that they were going to get anything out of this result or have any chance to progress. They score there. The place goes wild, and it could be, it could have been a completely different game. Fabio making that save from the get-go enables them to get that goal and basically close out uh, the tie um, in the 24th minute. So uh, really nice to see there. Yeah, Zabala gets a goal back, a uh, deflected goal to beat Fabio, but um, that was that was about it. Um, the red card coming in the 70th, uh, the second yellow, uh, which I, I thought it was dumb. He dragged his, his man down, Cardozo, um behind the play the guy wasn't really that close to the ball at all he was streaking forward but just the play out of frustration i think they already knew that uh that it was over and and two goals from herman cano like you said after that and um game set match and once again you're right here so um there you have it we've got the uh semifinals for Copa Libertadores all set up and then, Rick, you know what I'm going to do here. I need some predictions for you from you. Boca Juniors versus Palmeiras, Fluminense versus Internacional. Go ahead with your predictions. Well, I think I made my predictions early into these uh, competition. As soon as the group stages ended, I thought that Palmeiras' only difficulty to reaching the final would be a possible match in the quarterfinals against Independiente del Valle. Independiente did not win. Uh, it was Deportivo that won, and you see Fluminense or Palmeiras kill him with a 4-0 victory on aggregate. So I think uh, despite Boca Juniors being the Boca Juniors historically that we're aware of, they have not nor have not been good the seasons uh season in the Copa Libertadores, but also in the Argentinian league. So I'm not sure how a team gets past two penalty shootouts in a row successfully. And I think Palmeiras is not going to have any trouble here. Although I would love uh, Boca to reach a final, I think Palmeiras is going to do it again um, since 2021. And they're going to reach a final. And then in the clash between the two Brazilians, Fluminense and Internacional, I want Fluminense to win that one. And hopefully they can win it all. They can get their first ever Libertadores trophy. And uh, Flamengo fans or any Brazilian fans can no longer make fun of them, uh, especially now that they have a good team and uh, the best coach possible for the national team in Brazil. All right. I like that prediction. Fluminense beating Inter. I think they're going to beat them, and I think they're going to beat them up, especially in Rio. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going Fluminense going through as well. Enric, I'm going to be a little more optimistic. Uh, My my head is saying Palmeiras, but... (laughs) Henrik <laughs> shaking his head. My head, I, just let me be clear. My head is saying Palmeiras. But let me just explain you something. They weren't challenged at all. They ground out a win against Atletico Minero. Okay, fine. Atletico Minero 
suck. Let's be honest. They didn't, they weren't good in that tie and they weren't good. They're not good generally this year. They only got the one goal. They beat Deportivo Pereira, a minnow side, let's be honest, um, 4-0 and couldn't couldn't get a goal in the second leg at home. Palmeiras, they're obviously not as good as they've been recently this year. We've seen them falter. We've seen them go cold. Um, and I think maybe, maybe, I'm going to make this prediction even though I think probably Palmeiras will come through. But I'm going to just come out. I'm going to say Boca Juniors, they're going to be a bit of a surprise. They're going to wear down Palmeiras. They're going to grind through to the final, and they'll face Fluminense in the final. Flu, I think, hopefully, will capture the trophy as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to – maybe I'm saying it to be different. Maybe I'm saying it to just because I think that, you know, we need a little bit of an upset. But um, I'm – Hoping and I'll now I'll officially predict that Boca Juniors will get past Palmeiras. So well, laugh if you make, want. You're making predictions based on consistency of teams, and that's something that we never see <laughs> in the South American continent. And if a team, if we're looking at the team, how they have won three, four matches in a row, just know that next game is going to be their their downgrade. So I expect the same thing. Palmeiras haven't been good uh, recently, and then they're going to come out of nowhere and win this game. So hopefully you're right, but. I'm scared that I'm going to be right and they're going to reach the final. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even to add another layer on this, what have we always said about Palmeiras going back to last year? And my, I think I've thought for years, the last few years at least, they are a machine. If anything, you talked about, um, you know, continuity and, and um, staying, uh, you know, consistent. Um Palmeiras are that team in South America. They have been the most consistent. So I'll probably be totally wrong on this one, but maybe I'm saying it just to be different, but Boca for and Flu in the final for me. Um, all right. So let's move on to Copa Sudamericana. Um, I think all of these results in Libertadores were much more predictable. And if anything, you'd say there's really no, no, no competition in any of those legs. But here, I think we have a much different story. Uh, let's start off with Estudiantes versus Corinthians. We talked about it earlier. Corinthians not in good form in Brazil. They lost Roger Gads. All sorts of players are linked with moves away. It's not looking good from them, and it didn't look good for them to start in uh, in La Plata, uh, one of the most famous uh, suburbs of Buenos Aires, um, the planned legendary planned city. Uh, you always see it from from the space, and it's one of those things that jumps out to you. Um, uh, about Estudiantes de La Plata, but uh, they were in La Plata and they uh, Estudiantes scored in the first minute. Uh, small deflection, but the stadium erupted. And from there, you thought, especially with the way the Estudiantes played right after that, that it was going to be maybe 3-4-0 in favor of the Argentines. Well, I, I'm going to start this game with a quote from Neymar, 1% chance. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to Corinthians here. They scored in the first minute, and Estudiantes had not 99, uh, but 89 for sure. And then again, at a time, they had, I would say, 99 minutes to at least get another goal and not send the game to penalty kicks. They had every advantage, and they couldn't get the job done. Um, for Corinthians, the whole team was playing very defensively as they did in the last round against Newell's. And I originally thought that this game would be 0-0, but again, getting away with the fact that they scored in the first minute, maybe we can neglect that. And yeah, Estudiantes 
uh, I'm not even, I don't even know how Corinthians survived this one. There were posts everywhere, especially one that I've never seen before uh, a ball hit the post and come back, maybe reach the halfway line uh, because of the power shot that was produced by the player shooting it. But yeah, this was crazy. Uh, Casio, uh, I said it during the match, if Corinthians make it through to the next round, it's going to be because of this goalkeeper. And he had a man of the match performance uh, and he proved to us who Casio really is and the player that he has become playing for Corinthians for such a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Casio show, like you said, I think a total of four or five posts were were hit. And I think um I believe uh the crossbar in the in the penalty shootout too. So all sorts of I guess you could say bad luck, but Corinthians would argue Casio's shutting down angles. He's coming out to meet the players. He's he's making them put the ball, let's be honest, off target. I mean, officially that's off target when you hit the post. Um, so you could make that argument, but yeah, Estudiantes for me played them off the field and Corinthians just hanging on for dear life. Got a few stats for you. Corinthians one shot on target, just one. Estudiantes had 11 on target and had 30 total shots. They were completely dominant and they're so unlucky. Um, it's, it's, it's really a, a poor, poor, results but an incredible performance and Casio yeah just making all sorts of great saves um and and really doing everything to pull them and drag them into the penalty shootout where uh you had two keeper saves uh which of course Casio you you figure is going to get one um and then their number 10 uh I believe or no excuse me a different player uh Luciano Loyo um hit the crossbar and that was all she wrote. Um, Corinthians progress by just the skin of their teeth. I don't know what other phrase you can use. They had all the luck and, and they needed it. They've had a bunch of poor luck. They've had a bunch of poor results and poor performances recently. And uh, they'll feel really good to get through, but maybe not that confident based on the results or the performance, excuse me. <clears throat> Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, again, Corinthians make it through. I'm very glad for that. But uh, we can't say the same thing for another Brazilian team, Botafogo, who tied 1-1 uh, at home in Brazil in the last week. And, and now I said it that their chances of survival are going to be very low. Defensa is a great team. And that's what we saw. Defensa scores first. And maybe that would have been the winning goal if it wasn't about that uh, stupid own goal conceded. Uh, for defensa and Emiliano Bologna thought that he had saved the ball. It hit him in the back and slightly passes uh, the line. And yeah, the defensa defender wasn't able to defend his team. So uh, in the second half, it's Fernandez who scored the first goal, gets the second, both both headers. And yeah, Botafogo is out of the Copa Sudamericana. Unfortunate for them, but now at least they have more time to focus in one competition and the one they're doing the best in the Brasilera. So they're probably going to win that one. And yeah, they need some time of rest because they haven't really been good in the Copa Sudamericana as they were in, in Copa de Brazil. And yeah, this is the end of their story in the Continental Cups. Yeah, it's too bad. I think they were likely either the favorites, especially after the group stage, um, I thought they were 
you know, I thought that's, they stood a really great chance of winning this or at least having a great final. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really disappointing for me. Uh, but however, we talked about it before last week, defense's pedigree in this competition is, 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 uh, is well-established and they, like you said, are a great team. Nico Fernandez, the double here. Um, and it was both of really, they maybe controlled more of the ball, but defense, I think had the better chances. And even after they were up to one, um, they had a few more chances to really, really kill it off. Um, and I think they had the better of, of Botafogo in terms of, of dangerous scoring opportunities. Um, <clears throat> again, this is maybe a game where Chiquinho Suarez would have changed the game. Uh, Gatito Fernandez as well uh, in net rather than uh, than uh, Lucas Perry. Um, but other than that, I mean, defense a very, very, very strong team. And uh, they might go ahead and win this competition. They're possibly the strongest team left. Maybe uh, we'll get to a team in a little bit uh, that could give them a, a run for their money, but uh, really impressive for them. And, uh, and just to go back to that goal. Yeah. I, again, defensa so good. He makes the save hits the post and the defender clears it. Uh, it crossed the line just barely. Um, a lot of probably Argentine fans were kicking or saying to themselves, you know, classic, Brazilian bias, blah blah blah. Um, but uh, but in the end, that's that's all Botafogo can do, uh, even with Diego Costa up front. So, congrats to Defensa, great performance. And uh, I was totally wrong about um, uh, uh, bringing up the memory of Kyle George scoring away to Defensa uh, all those years ago. Now, um, didn't happen for Botafogo. Um, all right, uh, Fortaleza beating America two one. Um, so on aggregate, I believe it's five, two. Um, and all I can say on this one, Enric, I'm going to let you have the floor here. Finally, I've been saying for the last two rounds and maybe even the group stage, I've been confused. I've been vexed and I've been just praying on America's downfall. Finally, they go out deservingly. So they're much, I thought they were the worst, the worst team. Um, and now they can just slink back to brazil and uh take what's coming to them which is relegation yeah they're definitely out of this competition but uh i have a feeling that with how portaleza usually play I, i'm scared that they're gonna win this tournament because uh you see botafogo getting out and corinthians is nowhere near where they should be and then the other teams are probably not as good as them at the moment so yeah i expect fortaleza to not only do good against teams like America, like they did here, despite maybe they could have kept a clean sheet. But yeah, they're very capable of winning the uh, Sudamericana overall. And yeah, th things are looking great for them. It's looking good for Mourinho, our Santos uh, former player. He scored a banger here. And uh, you look at the volley that he got in and got uh, a second goal for Fortaleza. It was really awesome. And I'm glad that he's back to the old days uh, in which he normally starts. And even when he comes on, he scores a goal. So that's great to see always. Yeah, it was great. And I'm just looking at his stats. Um, you know, he just came in midway through the season, I believe, um, to Fortaleza. He's had 11 appearances, but a lot of them have, uh, have been when he's come off the bench, not getting the whole game. Uh, three goals and one assist, obviously two goals uh, coming this week. Uh, scoring in the Brasilia and, and and then midweek um, against America Monero. So 
he's entering in uh, back to some of his great form uh, that we saw with uh, with Santos, of course, um, at, in the culminating in that uh, 2020 Libertadores uh, final that he, he he dragged us to. So great to see Fortaleza, like you said, uh, impressive, impressive side, and they've got a lot of firepower. And plus, uh, the their their home arena is just just banana land. Like, it's crazy. It's totally nuts. These people are out of their mind, and they'll do whatever it takes to support them. Um, yeah, just just crazy, crazy place to go. And I wouldn't want to play there. So, um, finally, the last tie here: Sao Paulo and Liga de Quito. Liga de Quito, excuse me. Ugh. Um. 1-0, Sao Paulo win the match, uh, but that means it actually does go to penalties and they would eventually fall on pens. Enric, let's start in the game and we'll get to what you said earlier that we're not going to, that wouldn't be the last time we'd bring up Hamas Rodriguez. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but going into this match, were you confident? Sao Paulo, of course, uh, talk about crazy environments, the um their stadium was uh, packed to the gills and and crazy. Uh, and Mauricio Destri, I don't know if I don't know if he was there, but he was definitely watching. Uh, but what were your your what were you anticipating, and how did this uh, game unfold uh, in your eyes? Well, prior to this game, uh, Sao Paulo had come back from a, a a loss, a disadvantage twice in a row, and I thought it's going to be pretty much the same thing here against LDU. Uh, we talked about the goal that I believe Lucas Mora scored in the 81st minute last round in a 2-1 loss. I thought that that was going to be the turning point for Sao Paulo. And uh, they should have taken this game into a much more bigger consideration because the LDU team had a red card uh, since the 48th minute. And they had plenty of chance uh, almost the whole second half to score not only one that Arboleda did score in the 77th, but two goals to not send the game in penalty kicks. And then you go to penalty kicks, and who's the first player who misses from Sao Paulo? The newly brought player that we talked about earlier, James Rodriguez. And yeah, that was a shocking miss from him. And that sent the at end of the story for the Sao Paulinos, which is very sad to see. I thought that Sao Paulo, looking back at their last season when they lost in the final, they would at least do something bigger and maybe win this one uh but it wasn't the case and ldu gets through so i talked about my predictions i missed out on racing because boca qualified and then ldu uh qualifying instead of sao paulo so these are my two mistakes out of the eight possible games that we had <laughs> not too bad not too bad um but just going back to this match here i mean like you said sao paulo had every chance to kill it um alvarado going off i think just after halftime um and they had so many chances even before that caleri had a few chances more than a few some great chances um and looking at the lineups i mean they were they should have they should have won this game luciano lucas mora uh rodrigo nestor which was a player that mauricio um has been praising recently and uh and that we saw score some really, really great goals. Very tricky player and um, really impressive player. Um, they should have won, and they just couldn't get it done. They could not put the ball in the back of the net, like you said, and to to kill the fixture off. And that's what happens. And it's unfortunate, especially that it's James Rodriguez. He maybe hasn't hit the ground running, but I don't think he's been horrible in some of these games. Um, he's got to get up to speed. 
but he has the assist here. I mean, without him taking that corner, maybe the ball goes elsewhere and they lose uh, not on Pence. Um, so he gets the assist, but he also blasts it over the bar, uh, two sides of the sword. And 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 it's unfortunate that, uh, that people probably will talk more about the penalty miss. Um, but I think he will turn good for them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about him, uh, but a player that I said the same thing about for Santos, Julio, uh, Johan Julio, uh, the player for Liga de Quito now, uh, again, kept this great form from, from the first leg. He was very lively and he ended up scoring the winning penalty, uh, to send, uh, LDU through. So, um, a little bit disappointing from, I mean, very disappointing from Sao Paulo. Again, I think they had the chance to maybe go back to the final and maybe even win it. When you look at some of the other teams, I think only Defensa uh, could have held the candle to them. Um, but uh, it is the way it goes. And and now they can concentrate on maybe pushing up to more of the uh, the top half of the, the rest of their out table. Um, all right, Enric. Got to ask you again, semifinal predictions here. We've got Liga de Quito versus Defensa, Corinthians versus Fortaleza. Um, again, happening late September, early October. Uh, what are your predictions here? Well, uh, I think Defensa is a much better team than LDU. So I think there's no hesitation in saying that they're going to reach the final. But then in terms of the Brazilian teams, um, I said that Fortaleza is pretty much capable of reaching a final and maybe winning it all. But I would love to see Corinthians reach that final and maybe even win it. Uh, uh, they look, You look at the last season when they reached the Copa do Brasil final against Flamengo, they lost that. So it would be interesting to see how this team plays with that Roger gets. And yeah, honestly, I hope Corinthians wins it. If not, then I want the other Brazilian team, Fortaleza. So whoever advances to the final between these two clubs should win it all. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I can't even be too different. I think it's going to be Defensa versus Fortaleza. In my opinion, I think uh, the the leg or the semifinal, not including the Brazilians, I think are probably the two best teams left in this. You're not big on Liga de Quito. I kind of am. I've been impressed with them. And of course, uh, this isn't so much a factor in the final, but um, in the in the semifinal here, they'll have to play away in Quito. Uh, the altitude is never fun. And I know everyone's complaining, Ecuadorians, Bolivians, uh, people always complain about the altitude, blah, blah, blah. It is a factor. And, and no matter what, no matter what you say, ask any player and ask, look at any um, uh, record of, of teams going away to La Paz, uh, you know, the strongest in Bolivar have definitely have an advantage there. And, and maybe we'll talk about it with Sepe one day, because I know he's got some thoughts, but uh but I think it's pretty hard to look at those statistics and, and take anything else away from that. But yeah, I think Defensa and Fortaleza will be the final. And I think um, just judged on their pedigree, I think Defensa have a great shot at winning this. And they're my prediction uh, for, for right now for capturing this trophy. Um, all right, Enric, I'm going to cede the floor to you before we get into uh, what's coming up this next week. Because I'm looking at our shared doc and I'm seeing Siri say, Siri C. Regular season table on here. Uh, they're advancing to the promotion rounds. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and talk us through what you got here? Yeah, and it's cool that uh, the preseason, not the preseason, but the regular season table is now over and we can pretty much go on and 
talk about things that we probably said in the beginning of April when this competition started with our cool predictions. So really quickly, I'm going to first run through the whole table. Uh, four teams that got relegated last year uh, from Serie B were CCA, Brusque, Operario, Ferroviario, and Nautico. And Operario actually finished first, but that still doesn't mean that they are promoted. Second place, Volta Redonda, Amazonas, Brusque, San Jose, Botafogo PB, Paysandu, Sao Bernardo. Um, all these teams uh, achieve the next rounds. And then the teams uh, starting from ninth position, including Confianza, Nauchico, Remo, CCA, Ipiranga, Floresta, Aparecidense, and Figurense escape the relegation. And uh, the teams that are relegated to the Serie D are Manaus FC, America Rene, Altos, and Pozo Alegre. And back when we first predicted to the teams that we want to see going to Serie B next year, you, Peter, said Volta Redonda, which they did. I said Paysandu, which they did. San Bernardo was one of our uh, predictions that we both mentioned that they might get promoted and they still have a, a chance for that. And the other two teams that we also wanted to get promoted uh, was Remo and Figurense. Remo finishes in the 11th spot. They don't get promoted. Uh, but Figurense, they escaped the relegation by two points. And you look at their last match that they played. It was against Nauchico or against Manaus, which sits in 17th place. And if they had managed to lose that one, we would have seen Figurense go to Serie D next season, which would have been devastating for this club that used to historically be in the first division for so long, especially when we became Santos fans. So I'm really glad that they didn't go down. And Sao Bernardo, on the other side, uh, had a 2-0 uh, advantage against Nauchico. Nauchico comes back, scores two goals, and if they had managed to score one more, they would have been in the in the next round. So yeah, very sad about Nauchico, another team that we're also used to see in the Serie A, Serie A in the previous seasons. Uh, they don't go up, and now those eight teams have a chance to make it to the next phase. They're going to be separated into Group B and Group C. Group B consists of San Jose, Operario, Brusque, and Sao Bernardo, and Group C with Botafogo, Volta Redonda, Paysandu, and Amazonas. All these teams have a great chance into making it to the second division, and I hope whoever plays and performs best makes it to that next stage. So it's going to be an interesting matchup for these teams. All right, there you go. Yeah, the third division, uh, definitely into the business end of the competition. And I just want to reiterate, I, I know we both share Sal Bernardo uh, as one of the uh, the teams that we wanted to see get promoted. Uh, also, Volta Redonda, I, I really like. And, and both those teams, of course, were kind of the overachievers, two of the overachievers. Uh, in their respective state competitions. And you just wish maybe that Christian Barletta was still at Sao Bernardo um, and, and helping them. Um, all right, Enric, let's uh, let's look ahead to the week. Uh, we finally have a moment or two to breathe. Uh, no midweek fixtures coming up. Um, just Brasil Rao. But man, we've got some juicy games to sink our teeth into. Uh, one is jumping out at me on Saturday, like no other, uh, Botafogo hosting Flamengo, two of the biggest teams in the country. And in Rio, of course, the Rio Derby made even 
crazier now that Flamengo, I believe, are uh, up in a third place, or excuse me, fourth place. Um, and Botafogo, of course, running away with the league. Um, Botafogo hosting them at uh, Nilton Santos, I probably would safe to assume. Um, that's going to be fantastic. But other than that one, uh, what other matches do you have your eye on? Well, there's for sure going to be great matches for Sunday, especially the Sao Paulo Derby between Corinthians and Palmeiras. This is going to be a great, great match and awesome to see. Other than that, I think it's pretty much balanced. Fluminense will seek revenge against Fortaleza. I believe they lost 4-2 in their last round. So now they have a chance to play at home and with no midweek action by either side. Uh, Fluminense is going to look forward into winning this one. And... Maybe the other game uh, would be America and Santos. Who I mentioned this before. Santos won 3-2 to two in Villa Belmiro. So it's going to be interesting to see how we manage to play away from home against an America side that has proven to do very good in many competitions. So again, hopefully this is a win for us. Yeah, I really hope so. And and, and um, I think it's it's a great chance to to get three points. And this is a side that we can and should beat uh, even away from home. Uh, and um, the the Bahia, Bahia and Vasco game is also very interesting. Vasco, of course, in a bit better form. Maybe the results aren't coming as, as, as much as they'd like, but they'll have a chance to beat a team that also is in a relegation scrap here. Um, and uh, I think they'll do it, even though Bahia and, uh, and the Fonchinovo um, uh, arena is, uh, is definitely a hard place to play. But I think Vasco stand a good chance. And if if ever, if they're if they're gonna, I think this could be a statement. If they're gonna get relegated, if they're not gonna get relegated, I think they need this win. I need they, I think they need it. This could be a statement of intent. Um, and like you said, it's not exactly the best thing that these two teams are playing each other now. Um uh for Santos, of course, Bahia, you know, we are are right above us and Vasco are below us. Uh, preferably, I guess, from our point, you'd kind of want them both to lose, but unfortunately, one of them are going to win. Um, so, so yeah, lots of great action there. Um, and uh, we will be back, of course, next week with uh, covering it all. So, once again, uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, have a great week. Uh, we'll be back soon.